Welcome to Blurred United, whoever you are, wherever and whenever you may be listening, thanks for making us part of your day. I'm Disa, as ever with Yazzie, and we're just a blurred couple navigating our way through all these geek fandoms and uniting them for your consumption. Look, we got a great show for you today. It is, of course, over and under day, so we're looking at things that cropped up this week that we think are over and underrated. Um, But as always, we start off with the news. Okay, so let's look at the news over here. Uh, What news cropped up this week? Um, Winter Soldier and Falcon are getting their own limited series on the Disney streaming service. Uh, This all, of course, follows news that uh, Scarlet Witch is getting her own show. It follows news that Nick Fury is getting his own show. Um, There's also rumors that... A a Hawkeye show is being developed at present. Um, But this Winter Soldier Falcon thing, it it is interesting. I'm I'm curious about where it's going to go. I'm curious about how they're going to frame it. Because those two don't seem like the most natural of friends. I mean, I don't think they're enemies. But, I mean, we did see Falcon actually just... It was tongue-in-cheek. But he did say in Civil War, I hate you, man. Um, I love that a little bit. They have a really great odd couple relationship. Um, I think it's a, it's not a Laurel and Hardy sort of thing, but I, I do think that their dynamic leads to natural buddy cop type fun. I think that it, it could be a way of um, Marvel continuing their streak of light, lighter sort of entertainment. Balancing this off, of course, with a Nick Fury show and so on and so forth, I think that the Disney streaming service is really coming together in a very real way. And I think they're going to bring us more varied Marvel content than Netflix ever did. Uh, moving right along, uh, Birds of Prey, of course, is the DC show, um, movie, sorry, that's getting an R rating, apparently. Uh, DC, DC, of late, have kind of loved their R rated stuff. Suicide Squad is also going to be R rated, as we know. Um, there's a lot of R-rated stuff going around. I think that the comic book world is embracing uh, dirty language. I, I do wonder, though, and I think that every single nerd in the entire universe is going to wonder, like, when are we going to see the first nipple or penis in one of these things? We have seen side boob, we have seen a lot of these things, but when are we going to see the first bit of nudity? 
I wonder. It just occurred to me. It's not because this is all women in this cast. In the <laughs> wow! I just realized how wrong that sounds. All right. No, it is not because of that. It's just it occurred to me when I was watching um, Sabrina actually the other day that we actually haven't seen any nudity in the Marvel Netflix universe. So they're, they're, that's unrated. We haven't seen any nudity in that. We haven't seen any nudity in uh, Deadpool, etc. But yeah, when is nudity gonna crop up for the first time in, in either Marvel or DC? I'm curious about that. Um, maybe it could be Birds of Prey. We all know that they always go with nudity for women before they go with nudity for men um, for some reason. Um, I don't know. You, you, can, you can tell us which one you think. Go ahead. Um, what else is in the news? Naomi Watts. Naomi Watts, maximum wattage as I like to call her. I love Naomi Watts. Well, she has just joined the Game of Thrones prequel cast. This is, of course, the Game of Thrones prequel cast that follows, uh, the, it's going to be titled The Night's Watch. Uh, set sometime in the past when The Night's Watch was at its height or just about to start dipping into The Night's Watch that we see in the Game of Thrones show. Um... I like the idea of casting Naomi Watts in a TV show. I don't think I've actually seen her in a TV show. You can tell me, you're gonna probably write to me and tell me about three different TV shows that she's been in of late, I know. But I, I like Naomi Watts. I don't think I've seen enough of her in Hollywood of late and any opportunities get to see more of her, I'm a fan of. Uh, let's see, Legend of Zelda. All right, so. Nintendo have kind of hit pay dirt over here with Netflix. You know, Castlevania, it got rave reviews for season one and two, so much so that they've already been renewed for season three uh, of Castlevania. And more news here says that Legend of Zelda is their latest show, and it just got a it got the Castlevania showrunner. So I wonder whether they're gonna go tonally the same sort of way. I would hate to see Link being in some sort of dark world. I never saw I saw the world as being dark, but I always saw Link as being the brightness in it. I think that they should go for something tonally a little bit different than Castlevania. Uh, but I think that Legend of Zelda helps itself toward. A, an animated style. But look, I'm still waiting for a Metroid TV show or movie. I've always been a fan of Metroid. It was my favorite of all the Nintendo classic games. And I, I, I don't know about y'all, but I would love to see a live action Metroid show that followed her story. I think that the world is big enough. I think that you could really construct a universe if you were clever. You know that you know Nintendo know how to build things. So I'm just saying, Nintendo, get on a Metroid live action. Make it your first live action show. And it's gonna work. Trust a brother on that. Overrated. You know what I think is overrated? Venom's box office. Alright. We all know that these are businesses. Sony, Warner Brothers, Disney, whatever. They're businesses, right? And they're gonna make financial decisions, not creative decisions. They're not understanding that the, the simple thing here is that just because you made money on one thing doesn't mean people wanna watch it. And that it's a good idea to keep making more of these movies. Venom this week, 
apparently is set to become a higher grossing or more profitable movie than any of the Spider-Mans. And obviously, Sony are going to take that as, hell yeah, we should make a ton of these, right? I get that. I really do. It uh, makes a lot of sense. If something's financially viable, if something made you a lot of money, why wouldn't you take a gamble and make a sequel to it, right? And build it or build an entire universe like everyone wants to do now. Here's the problem with that idea. They did that with Amazing Spider-Man. You remember that? That first movie made money. That's Amazing Spider-Man movie made money. And then they made a second. And it was trash. The thing about that first Amazing Spider-Man movie is it was not good. It was not great. It was not great. And it was, it was confusing. And we were, but we were a little bit intrigued. We were a little bit like, I don't like the tone. I don't really, I'm not really sure about it. Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man. I think he's a little bit too cool. I'm not sure about not having Mary Jane in it. I'm not sure about this. I'm not sure about that. There's a lot of questions and a lot of things that we're not sure about, we're not liking, but we're like, uh, I'm not sure. And they went and made another one and just compounded all those problems. That's the danger here, especially with Sony because they've already done this before. Transformers, those movies make a lot of money. They make a lot of money. No one wants to watch them. Like, I've ne- I don't think anybody has gone to any of the last three Transformers movies, gotten out and been like, dude, you gotta watch that movie. We're watching these movies almost like, it's almost like we're saying, I want to see how bad this one's going to be. And I think everyone has that sort of idea about it. They get out of the, they, everyone goes to watch the movie and then calls it trash. And then because you called it trash, Somebody else is like, come on, it can't be that bad. And you're like, no, it really, really is. You shouldn't watch it. And because of that, someone else is going, that same person is like, oh, well, now I got to see how bad that is. And that's a cascading effect. A lot of people want to go see how bad something is not to be entertained. If this was in the rental, if we still rented movies, these movies would never get rented. They would, or they would just get rented. That's all they would do. They'd kill at the rental, but they would suck at the box office. But rentals are gone. And so people, not everyone's going to stream this thing. Not everyone's going to go to net, wait for it to come out on Netflix and watch it. Not everybody. Some, pe- some people are going to be like, you know, I got nothing to do on a Tuesday after evening, after work. Let me go see that Transformers movie. Let me go see that G.I. Joe movie. Let me see Amazing Spider-Man. Let me see Venom. And then they're gonna get, come out and say like, oh God, that was terrible. Oh, it was so, it was so bad, it was good. I mean, people are talking about this Venom movie, getting out of it, talking about it like, like it's Super Troopers or something. Or Kung Pao, anybody remember Kung Pao Legend of the Fist? That movie was terrible. It was so bad, it was good. Like you, you just laughed at it. And that's what people are doing. People are laughing at this Venom movie. But whatever, it's just, it's just my opinion. Um, but where I think they should go with this, what they, sh- they should have done, was treat this like Pacific Rim. I know they couldn't do this because they own the Spider-Man IP, and they still want to be able to make money off this later on. It's a great business decision to keep Spider-Man under payroll. But they should have gone with a Pacific Rim view of this. Because Pacific Rim, ultimately speaking, is... It, it's, it's like Voltron versus Godzilla. 
that's what that's what it is but they didn't want the association with any of those so what they did was create their own universe like call it pacific rim and it's kaiju and you know we have these mechas and so on that fight these kaijus they could have if they called it godzilla those movies would have been trash but they called it something else they invented something of their own and it became interesting i believe that the venom movie could have been could have been better if they had just not called it venom if it had been called something else if it had if it was based off of another character it could have been something good but as venom it was it was average at best at best it was just average if you never saw venom then you might actually enjoy it if you if you if you literally are a baby and just walked in there and thought to yourself oh i'm just gonna go watch a movie and venom probably you're gonna give it like a seven you might give it a seven i'm giving it a six but i don't think that they should make this movie i think that the opinion of the box office over here that meaning sales for a second one over here they're overrating this and if you're of that opinion that the box office meant a lot over here you're wrong you know i hate saying it because i've always been one of those guys who's like make mine marvels but i gotta say people are sleeping on dc's moves recently dc has been making a lot of really smart moves of late they got their own streaming service up before Disney did, so they're able to put out their content, their first to first to market in this super in a saturated superhero market that's going TV. They're first to market over there with their own content. They hired James Gunn to direct Suicide Squad, and yes, getting rid of Henry Cavill and getting rid of getting rid of Ben Affleck might seem like silly moves but people are sleeping on all the other moves that they're making over here look wonder woman 84 is gonna kill at the box office i know they pushed it back but there's a slate over there that where they're making other movies in the in the meantime look they've already announced they're pushing forward with the supergirl project they're pushing forward with birds of prey so that means they have three separate properties over here who are going to probably headline the future of DC in the coming years. The future seeming is seemingly female over there at DC. And you know what? That's smart. That is really smart. Because what we've always been complaining about with DC is they're not separating themselves and they're not using societal trends and they're not anticipating the market. Over here, they're making really smart moves. They saw with Wonder Woman that they got really great responses to giving us a female lead with a female director. That's a smart, they, they stumbled onto a really smart move over there. So what do they do? They, they're doubling down on this. They're saying the future is female. We, people wanna see female directors. People wanna see female leads. This is where the world is going. So why not be the thing that the other guy isn't? You know, it's like a boxer. When you're a boxer or you do any sort of fighting, if you're, if the other guy is really, really good at, uh, is really, really fast, then what you need to become is really, really tough. Develop your jaw, get to make sure your defense is good. If you're better, and then you can counter them, right? There's no sense in just getting into a slugging match because that could go any which way you want. And when, it's, when it comes down to dollars and you get in the slugging match, that's not a smart play. Don't compete on even ground with the other guy. Be the thing that the other guy isn't. And DC are making really smart moves over here by banking on women. I'm loving it. I'm gonna guess you guys are loving it too. That's overrated, son. 
Castlevania. <sighs> like, I really don't want to do this, but I need, I need y'all to understand this. So, <clears throat> as you know, there's been a lot of love for Castlevania on social media in the anime world that oh my god it's amazing and what 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 and it's booming and every season's gotten better and blah 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 man from episode one which okay season one has like what four episodes or something like that and season two is like eight episodes so season one watched it finished it really quickly but it literally became background noise for me like I would have it playing and I'm literally doing everything else in the world like I'm I'm on my laptop going through Facebook I am busy talking to my nephew when he comes running in I am doing everything in the world but actually watching I I tried really hard like really really hard to pay attention to it I just couldn't I mm. I don't get why people love it. It is See Oh my god, I'm so frustrated with it because it's it's so shit to me. Like it's absolute shit. And initially I was like, okay, it's about, you know, vampires. Awesome. This is kind of my alley. Like I love this kind of stuff. Oh my god. Like I tortured myself just so I could give you guys my opinion on it and I was gonna do a whole review on it but I decided that no it doesn't deserve that kind of love and honestly it doesn't even deserve this love of my over it 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 shouldn't even be a thing thought of like it it needs to disappear into the Netflix world. It needs to be buried under a whole bunch of shit so we never have to see it again. I'm sorry. I know I'm gonna get people being like, oh my gosh, how could you say that? It's so amazing. No, it's not. It really isn't. You've been fooled, okay? You've got the wool pulled over your eyes. Like, come on, man. It is not that great. Oh my god. Yeah, no, it's absolute bullshit absolute bullshit but <laughs> I know y'all's gonna come for me for this one I'm sorry I really am but like I can't honestly speaking I can't fully tell you what it was about yet I watched every single episode well I can't really say I watched it because it literally became background noise for me um but yeah, no. Uh, Castlevania, highly overrated. I'm sorry, it's highly overrated. All right, so last week we got Kevin Feige making comments. He was being honored and getting a um, getting a an achievement award for creative con creative uh, direction and blah blah blah, all that stuff, you know. Hollywood loves giving out awards for things. And he, for, for no reason, answered a question. I think it was. I think it was a question, but he, he made statements about Deadpool surviving the snap. Now, as we all know, 
Deadpool lives in Fox's X-Men verse, which doesn't have anything to do with the MCU. I mean, it might do in future, but why would Kevin Feige mention this? Why would he even bring up that? Why would he bring up the snap within context to Deadpool? Now, this is interesting. I think this particular comment over here is, a, is not being rated the way it should be. I think Fox takes over. Fox is getting taken over in January, right? Then, and there's some other interesting moves that are going on. Before this, for instance, Deadpool is getting a PG-13 Blu-ray coming out. And I think that we all, uh, Ryan Reynolds shot extra scenes for this. And then you couple that with Kevin Feige making comments about Deadpool, and then you start, something's growing here. You start, you start seeing the confluence of things occurring, and it starts looking like they're anticipating having to put Deadpool into the MCU. If you put Deadpool into the MCU, that means that X-Men exists in the MCU as well. It exists in one universe. We all know that Disney had been making moves to say we want one universe and they're gonna do that, but this confirms it. And making Deadpool, giving us a PG-13 Deadpool, shoot with Ryan Reynolds shooting extra scenes, look, I would not be surprised given the, that the Dead Dark Phoenix movie has been pushed back a little bit, I would not be surprised if we get news that they're bringing the actors back for reshoots. And that one or two Avengers or people who were in the MCU were spotted on site. I would not be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Because they, they're taken over in January, and I think that this Dark Phoenix movie is a turd pile anyway. But what better way to make this work than by making this the first collab movie? Give us an a Captain America showing up in this. Give us a, I don't know, give, give us Vision showing up in this. Give us Scarlet Witch, Loki, Thor showing up in this. Thor would actually be an interesting choice to show up in this. But give us somebody showing up in this and this being the collab movie that we've been waiting for regarding x-men and the avengers coming together i think is going to happen i think although now thinking about it i think it's probably going to be a more innocuous character showing up in in the x-men i think it's probably going to be somebody that we haven't anticipated showing up maybe someone some old person what if it was um oh snap what if it was quicksilver showed up in this showed up in the x-men movie how do they do that i mean they already have a quicksilver in that one hmm that's that's interesting actually i like that i like the idea of it i like the idea of it look i think that kevin feige's comments about deadpool surviving the snap he had no need to make those comments why did he make them i think it's because he's he's anticipating deadpool x-men the x-men universe coming together in January with the MCU in a very real way, I wouldn't be surprised to see some connections in, not, not, not Captain Marvel, I think that's too soon. I think that you might see a connection in, in Avengers 4, and you're definitely going to see one in, in Captain Marvel. I'm sorry, in, um, in Dark Phoenix. That's my anticipation. I think people are sleeping on this particular comment by, by Kevin Feige. I think it has huge ramifications for the future of the MCU. On a slightly brighter note in my opinion 
Um, still in the anime world. The Seven Deadly Sins. Now, as I was saying earlier, I am not an anime girl. I recently decided that let me just give it a shot. I saw it pop up on Netflix for the new season. So I was like, you know what? Fuck it. What am I doing? Let me just watch. It was, it's literally my proper introduction to anime. And it's the best thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, I watched from the first season right through to season three right now. And from the moment it started, I was like, oh oh just reading the name seven deadly sins like ooh, that is that's naughty that's naughty to me and then it went on and on about like the sins and whatnot you know as we know the seven deadly sins lust gluttony pride um uh wrath uh, what am i forgetting lust gluttony i'm not this non-order so lust gluttony Pride, wrath, um, ba ba ba, sloth. Uh, oh my God! Why am I drawing a blank? Um, 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 um. Oh shit! Oh, envy, and and and. Who am I forgetting? Who am I forgetting? Who am I forgetting? Who am I forgetting? Ah, uh, shite. Shite, shite, shite. Greed. There we go. Yes, greed. Oh my gosh. Oof, that would have been bad. But yeah. The seven deadly sins. So we pretty much are following this princess who is looking for them. And... She's looking for them because they are human embodiments pretty much and she finds them one by one and they go around you know the country fighting evil and that kind of stuff and then fighting yeah pretty much fighting evil final season it they talk about the ten commandments and as a catholic girl I was like, oh my god, look at them doing that to me. Just pulling on my, my, my Catholic heartstrings like that. Which, it's funny because <laughs> the way they portray the, the Ten Commandments are pretty much demons. And as a Catholic, you'd think that I would be like, what the fuck, how dare they do that? But I'm like, oh my god, that is beautiful because it's... I see it more of like these are hella powerful beings who unfortunately happen to be demons but hella powerful beings who fight and if you break one of the the commandments you die of some in some way and I thought that was really cool I thought that was like an interesting take on on that aspect of things as well as the way they took the the seven deadly sins you know so i think right now because i haven't seen anyone really talk about it this is like it's on season three right now and in the few anime circles that i've 
found myself in when people are trying to get me to watch anime no one has ever mentioned watching the seven deadly sins and i don't get it because it is brilliantly amazingly done in my, like i i really was surprised that i was even into it to the point that it has me trying out more anime right now i'm watching another anime called the disastrous life of um psyche k or psychic i'm not sure exactly how to say it and i'm enjoying that too and it's that seven deadly sins really opened my eyes to anime that i could enjoy and that fits into who i am and i think it's very underrated right now i think it's something that everyone needs to get on i was talking to a friend of mine just recently he was telling me that captain and captain america and iron man are actually best friends and i was taken aback by that because i don't think I've ever thought of Captain America and Iron Man in the MCU as friends. Never mind best friends. Look, they're great co-workers. They're great teammates. But they're not friends. I never once thought they were friends. From the minute they were introduced to one another, they just fought. They disagreed on everything. They are fundamentally opposed to one another. I think that Tony Stark respects the shit out of Captain America. I think that Steve Rogers respects the shit out of Iron Man. I think they know each other's place in the world and they value each other's place in the team. But I don't think that they're friends at all. Look, we all have, we all have jobs, we all have co-workers and so on, but that doesn't mean that we like them all. You know what I mean? Like, we have friends who are at work. We have friends at work. That's, that's okay to have. And you can have a productive relationship with some people and just not be their friend. This is why I've never thought of them as friends. Because they work well together, but they're not friends, man. Look, what, you want me to give you some evidence? All right, here it is. Give me one scene of them interacting socially. Look, they were... Cap was literally in Iron Man's house. He was at his house, at Avengers Mansion over there, right? Sitting there in the loft, not one scene of them just hanging out. Not one scene of them just chatting away. It's something that the MCU, I think has been done on purpose by the MCU, but I just don't think, think, think that they're friends at all. Look, Cap has two real friends on the Avengers. Two, only two people that I think that you could legitimately say, no, nah, those are his boys. That is Falcon, duh. You know, everybody needs a black BFF, right? Falcon and him, boys, that's his ride or die in the whole crew. Black Widow is the other. They literally made an entire movie of Cap assisting Black Widow. Sorry, Black Widow assisting Cap. She talks to him about dating. She gives him dating advice. She gives him all kinds of advice and stuff like that. They talk socially. They even made out once. You know, that's, that's, his, that's his girlfriend. You know what I mean? Like, I was just expecting them at some point to be like, hey, girlfriend, what's up, Steve? I was expecting all kinds of stuff like that. It wouldn't be out of place because they're really good friends. He has a BFF over there. Everyone knows, look, Bucky's his number one. Bucky is his, Bucky's his blind spot. Bucky is his thing. I, I, it's almost, you know, I would not be surprised if I now they had a gay relationship. Like, sometime in one of them bunkers, they got a little bit close, you know. Danger was afoot. 
the Nazis are about to roll through. It's uh, they've had a long night and things got a little quiet. Steve looked over at Bucky and Bucky looked right back at Steve. The time seemed to stand still. Bucky, Bucky's lip started to quiver. He yearned for the touch of Steve Rogers on him, and then it just seemed to be magnetically pulling toward one another. And then, it. that's what I'm talking about. I'm saying that I think those two might have been gay together in the, in World War II, and I would like to see that. I think that would be interesting, an interesting dynamic to put toward this and explains why they're, why, why Cap just can't see past Bucky. But anyway, I'm just saying, Falcon, Black Widow are his friends. Thor and Banner, he's cool with. He's cool with Thor and Banner. He's very cool with Thor. They make jokes in the battlefield like, oh, okay, yeah, let's just do that. Banner, he's cool with Banner. He likes Banner. Banner's cool, but isn't, I wouldn't say he's his friend. He gives him a, he has a sort of top-down relationship with Banner, like, no, I see you, dog. I see you. But, you know, you know, you seem to be struggling with a girl. You seem to be struggling with life. Let me help you out over here. He gave him dating advice for Black Widow. His, his girlfriend over there. He let his, his girlfriend in. You know what I mean? I'm just saying. Those are his friends, not Iron Man. Iron Man has two friends on the team. That is Banner and Rhodey. Look, the Science Bro connection is real. Everybody knows Science Bros. That's for real. It's a real deal thing. They connect on that intellectual plane, right? And they have a real interaction. Banner, sorry, Tony seems to really take an interest in Banner's life. Not just his science skills and all that stuff. I mean, he, he, he takes advantage of Banner quite a lot. But yeah, I think that he, yeah, he, he likes Banner. Now that's the, the, and Banner likes him. You know, you can see the relationship there. And Rhodey, we don't even have to talk about it. We saw it play out in all three Iron Man movies um, and into the Avengers movies. We see that Rhodey is his boy. Rhodey is easily his best friend, and it's nice when your best friend's on the team. Um, and there's another black BFF, by the way. I just think that those two are friends. Those three are friends. Oh, the, although Banner and Rhodey, have they even had a scene together now that I think about it? Have they ever, like, just chatted to one another? I mean, I can't remember one time they just said words to one another. That's weird, right? Anyway, Cap, Iron Man, this relationship is overrated. I don't even think they're as close as Cap and Thor are. I don't think they're close at all. I think that Tony is a futurist and sees the future. And he realized that, like, from first meeting, I am diametrically opposed to this person philosophically. And I don't want to get close to someone that I might have to take out in the future. And from Cap's point of view, I just think he's he's not a futurist or anything like that, but he's also, he's just like, he's not my cup of tea. I don't think this, I, I don't like him. I respect him, but I don't like him. He's a necessary, not evil, but he's a necessary component to this team. Plus, he's got all the money. But I just think that they're not friends at all. This relationship has been overrated, and I think it's been overrated by fans, not by the MCU. There's no evidence they've given us that these two are friends. Relationship overrated. Every night.
but I live and die Me somebody take him home Let's kiss and then take off our clothes It's just another graceless night like the show or maybe you don't maybe you want to ask us a question or even better give us an answer we have so many questions well you've got a few options to get that done you can of course tweet us at blurds united you can dm us on instagram um, that's also at blurds united or you can chat to us directly on facebook or go to our group there join please we always welcome new members or if you're really feeling up to it, you could get the Anchor app and send us a voice note and you can get your voice on this show telling us whatever it is. Hell, if you ask a really good question, we might even call you in for an interview. How about that? 